This is Shark Tales, a new podcast from NBC10 Boston that takes a deep dive into sharks. Lisa Natanson looks at a lot of dead sharks. She is an experienced shark researcher at the National Marine Fisheries Service who specializes in the study of shark aging and reproduction. She has dissected plenty of sharks and sends parts of them off to other shark researchers. She has personally tagged over 11,000 sharks and leads a crowdsourced effort to collect shark data through the Apex Predators program. For Shark Tales, we spend some time talking about what she's found in shark stomachs, shark reproduction, and how sharks are kind of like trees. So you are a shark expert, and you've been studying sharks for years. Uh, tell me a little bit how you got into it and what you've been doing all this time. Um, I wanted to be a shark researcher since I was about seven years old. I grew up in the Bay Area of San Francisco, and there was always a lot of white shark activity. So we heard about sharks all the time. And, you know, most little kids want to work on sharks, and they just don't do it. But I just kept doing it. I came out here for a PhD in about 1984 and got in with this group at National Marine Fisheries Service, the Apex Predators Program. And there was a two-year hiatus at one point, but pretty much have been here since then. What's a day look like for you? Well, it varies. Um, last Friday was dissecting three fish for half a day and then, you know, talking to some researchers who had come from the dissection and figuring out projects and this kind of thing. Today is you. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and I, So you say this is the most fun day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Best day of the week. So yeah. how, where do you get these sharks? Well, one thing about our project, just to step back a second, yeah. this project's been in existence since 1961. It's been at this lab till about since about 1972. So we've been collecting for a really long time. That is a long time. And, and that's a lot of samples. That's a lot of samples. And a lot of them are still here because we're hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> but the benefit of that is sometimes you need old samples. So... Anyway, uh, we get our samples from fishermen, commercial and sport fishermen, um, strandings. We go on research cruises. We do um, an offshoot of uh, sport fishing is shark tournaments, where they bring in sharks for a tournament, and we're um, able to dissect those fish. So we get it from anyone who will give us a sample. We will take it. Part of the program is that you actually have volunteers go out and tag sharks. Yes. A big component of the project is called the Cooperative Shark Tagging Program, and that started in 61. And um, we now have about 7,000 taggers around the Atlantic, Gulf of Mexico, um, Europe, the whole thing. And we've had, uh, with our volunteers, which are biologists, sport fishermen, commercial fishermen, anybody, they have tagged about, at this point, 300,000 sharks of, I think it's 52 species, and wow. re recaptured 18,000 of um, 33 species. Is it all different kinds of methods of tagging? It's called an M-tag. Basically, it's a, it's a metal dart with about six inches of monofilament and a capsule, and the capsule has a number and a screw top. So inside there is a little label that in five languages tells you what information we need off that fish if you recapture it. This is not the kind of tag that you can follow online or anything like that. Sure. It's tagged. We get a certain amount of information, um, species, size, sex, date, location mostly. And then at the other end, when someone recaptures that shark, we get the same information. And they don't have to kill the shark at that point. They just have to, you know, re-release it. Some of them tag it and re-release it. Um, and some uh, times uh, they will kill it, and then we'll get more data. And, uh, you know, we're talking numbers here. You've tagged over 11,000 sharks? Yeah. 
personally on uh, research cruises. It's just second nature. You're just out there. It's like a reflex almost. It is. It is. You get used to it. <laughs> do you use a similar method where you um, are kind of like spearing them? Like how do, you, how do you tag? Our tags are able to be put in on a pole. Yes. So if it's a, a large fish that you don't want to bring in board, then you definitely use like a 12-foot pole and tag it in the water. You get an estimate of the size and then all the other information. When we go out, we also have a sling that we can put over the side and we can swim the shark into and bring it up. Gotcha. Then we can get a measurement. We can inject it with tetracycline, which is something we use for our age and growth studies, and um, get more information. And then we tag it with a short hand pull. Because you had a dissection recently, you get all sorts of information. There's what's yes. in their stomach. So what are you looking for when you're cutting a shark open? Um, for my personal research, uh, we're looking for the age information, which is the backbone, right. and we're looking for the reproductive information. I have colleagues at this lab that work on food habits, so we collect food habits for them. And then I have colleagues who do DNA, uh, liver uh, studies. Um, let me see. Somebody's taking eyes, nose, skin. We're collecting some gills for somebody else. There's a lot of pathology that gets done after, sure. especially on a, on a stranding. Like, why did it die? That's the big question. It's not always obvious. Right. So some people have to take um, samples for histology, which then we find out later why it died. So pretty much if anybody calls me and says, oh, my God, I'm doing this study on this or that, and I need this sample, if it's easy... We will take it. If it's hard, they kind of have to come do it. You're almost like the middleman. Right. You got the sharks. You got the you got the goods. You're taking one animal and kind of dividing it up to all right. these different people, which is a valuable right. thing. It's hugely valuable yeah. because we're all going towards non-lethal sampling. We'd right. love to do that, but it's not ground truthed yet. So you can you know, do a non-lethal method, but if you haven't dissected it to see if it matches, you don't know for sure. So, so we have to get through that process, but there's a lot of studies that you need dead animals and nobody wants to go out and start killing a bunch of things. So if you can cobble together different ways of getting them for fish that are dead anyways, or going to be killed anyways, then that's great. You know, full utilization of the specimen. And then like I said, we, we want the whole thing used, so we'll send it to whatever researchers need it. Tell me what you've been finding out about sharks and age. So it's really interesting. When the whole age and growth thing started, which actually originated in 1921, what someone noticed that there were band pairs, as we call them, which is kind of like rings on a tree. They increase with the size of the fish. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, age and growth, you know, they we can count these bands and get the age of the fish. But... That was assumed, and there were some techniques that you could use to kind of see if those band pairs were annual, and everybody kind of thought they were or assumed they were, but in, in recent years, and by recent, I mean, you know, maybe 15 years, mm -hmm. um, it's been shown with these really, really good techniques. Um, it's called validation, where you show what the band pair actually is time-wise. Mm -hmm. That, in fact, that isn't the case on a lot of species, that maybe they're annual to about when they start reproducing. But after that, they grow a lot more slowly and the bands aren't being deposited. So the band pairs are probably being deposited, maybe related to growth. So when growth rate slows, they slow, but the fish is obviously still getting older. So for white sharks, um, Greg Skolman and I found that you could count the band pairs up to like 44, but the fish was actually 70. And that was using a validation technique that enlists the, sam the old samples. That's what makes the old samples valuable. 
is it's called bomb radiocarbon dating, and you need fish that were alive in the 50s and 60s. So our all our old samples that we've been hoarding are really valuable for that technique. So in layman's terms, sharks aren't trees. They, right. they are to a point. Right. And then sharks ain't trees. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. When you're talking about sex, like reproduction, like looking into that sort mm-hmm. of thing, like, oh, so what are you looking into there? Well, one of the things you need to know is how productive a species is for management. So you have to know when it reproduces, how long it reproduces. And that's where age and reproduction kind of combine. Right. So you say, you know, okay, they're mature at 15 and they live till 70. They have... I can't do that math. It's too much for me. But they have sure. <laughs> X amount of years to reproduce. They reproduce every three years, and they have nine pups. Okay? Mm-hmm. That information all is demographic information that goes into modeling. Okay? So what we do here is the very basic biology. How old they are? How When do they mature? Size-wise, how that relates to age, how often they reproduce. Sure. Um, how many pups they have, and how frequently. How do sharks reproduce? All right, well, most fish dump eggs and sperm into the water, yep. and they mix and move on. Sharks are like people. They have, the male has two claspers mm-hmm. um, externally, and they reproduce just like, well, not quite just like a human, but you A little less complicated, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, a little no can- more No violent. candles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no candles, not at all. A lot of bite marks. Yeah. So um, the female gestates, just like a human female, um, nine months. Some are hypothesized to gestate for 18 months. Spiny dogfish are the longest. That's two years. And the young, there's various methods of feeding the young. Sometimes it's just basically an egg being held in the uterus. And in other cases, such as like the mako and the white, the female has a huge ovary full of eggs, and she packages these eggs and sends them down, and the young eat those. Um, Eventually, she cuts the supply off. They eat what they have, and then they're they're off. So if I'm understanding, they they feed on the mother's eggs, so they're potential brothers and sisters. They're just getting fed? Well, there is one species that actually cannibalizes, the sand tiger, so there ends up being only one in each uterus but um in most cases the fertilization's already taken place yep. however many were already down there so that's just leftover eggs interesting you said one of them actually gestates for two years right the spiny dogfish I said i have a three-month-old a lower three-month-old <laughs> right now and i can't imagine if my wife was pregnant for two years Horrible, nine right? months was uh was tough enough for us <laughs> you know exactly uh mm-hmm. so you're looking into the reproduction and the age of the sharks how old can sharks get um, well, they just did a study on Greenland sharks where they kind of hypothesized 400 years. 400 years? Um, I think that might be extreme. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but certainly they can get pretty old. White sharks get over 70. They uh, had spiny dogfish over 100. So depends on the species. Yeah. We just don't think about it. We think about sharks like, oh, they're out there in the ocean and they're doing their thing. But there are, there's a lot of ancient ones out there. Yeah. There's a lot of old ones and they grow very slowly. So, you know, a lot of little sharks aren't even mature. You know, we we dissected three white sharks the other day, and they were 200 centimeters, whatever that comes out to, but they weren't even close to being mature. An eight-footer we dissected a uh, in month or so ago is not mature. You know, they have to get substantially bigger. And you got to figure if a female white shark, for example, is having sometimes nine or more pups, and all those pups are three feet long or more, mm-hmm. she's got to be pretty big, mm-hmm. you know? 
And so with all your years of studying sharks and dissecting sharks, what are some surprising things you found in there? Anything in their stomachs that you're like, oh, I didn't know they ate like Brillo pads? <laughs> well, actually, um, we do find garbage yeah. uh, sometimes. And the most... In- my colleague has found the most. I she's the food habits person. She's found Ajax bottles and and big cans, coffee can kind of things and all. Um, my most exciting thing, which was just kind of interesting, was a package of meat that the shark must have gotten off the of a boat mm-hmm. or something. Um, hopefully not off the boat. They threw it over, but it was that would be surprising. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was intact, and you could still see where it was bought. You know, with the little sticker on it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Kind of fun for us is when we dissect these white sharks and we get little seals or seal pelts. Crazy. Which is kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, because in the recent dissection, you saw a little seal pelt in yeah, there. Seal is that kind of like, you know, when you're opening up something, is that kind of like the, the the thing you're looking for? Like, oh, here's the, the surprise treasure, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, there's a little something to research. Yeah. And that, uh, we got a really big, like almost a thousand pound, or maybe it was just over a thousand pound um, tiger shark at a tournament and had a turtle in it. When you're in your line of work, mm-hmm. probably nothing really phases you, because like you're 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 cutting open animals and you're dealing with so it gets a little smelly. Like we were we were in the what would you call the lab? Wet lab. Uh, the, wet, the wet lab. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know it doesn't really phase you. So I mean that's that's probably good for daily life. You know you just kind of go and you go to a concert porta potty. You're like I can handle this. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> exactly. I don't know. That's a little worse. That's actually worse. I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'll take a dead yeah. shark over a concert porta potty. Yeah, me too. I don't me even too. like walking near them. You know, no, gross. gross. Uh, what have been some like moments where you're like key moments or moments where you're like this is awesome? I'm never gonna forget this. That's a hard call. That's because there's so you many. Know? Yeah, but what, and, yeah. I mean, there's just exciting things about the variety of of work. You know, you're out at sea and it's this gorgeous day, and you're getting like all these beautiful fish, and you're tagging all these beautiful fish. I sure. mean, those those moments are some of the greatest. It's not necessarily anything special. It's just the whole combination of everything. You know, it's always exciting to see what's something's eaten oh i'll tell you a moment oh here we go last year yes okay last fall almost about now a fisherman friend of mine called up had a big thresher shark okay so we're like yeah we'll go down so the group of us went down to the uh, point judith and there's this i mean it was big i don't remember the size big female we cut her open and saw a stage of reproduction that is like a once in a lifetime stage so i told you they feed um they they fertilize the um, egg that yep. they're going to fertilize and then they feed them through the um, same method they fill up these sacks with eggs and then feed them what i had never seen was this fish had a huge huge ovary okay mm-hmm. clearly had just mated because it had the little sacks with the mature ova just coming out of the shell gland which wow. is where fertilization takes place and it had two in each side and that stage lasts like a couple days before it actually drops into the uterus and then it starts pumping out these um, sacks of eggs to feed these young. Hmm. So that was incredibly exciting. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that must have been like, uh, all right, like, you know, buying everybody drinks tonight because this exactly. is because if it's only a couple of days, I mean, first of all, you don't get a lot of pregnant sharks. Right. And then when you do, you don't get them in a certain stage. That's that short. The chance of seeing that. And, and that also, you know, we thought they made it in the fall. And that was very clear evidence that at least that one made it in the fall because mm-hmm. it was had just happened. It was really exciting. Where do you think we are with what we know about sharks, and where do you think we need to go? Well, we're way farther than when I started. Mm-hmm. Back then, we knew virtually nothing. You know, for example, in my field, age and growth, we went, we've we gone since 1921 
aging sharks with vertebra this way, and now we've just found out that it doesn't work throughout right. the whole life. So we do have to find a method that you can age them without having samples from 1962, you sure. know. Um, so we have to do that. I mean, there's more information on um, individual species that we need, yep. you know, because we have we have a lot of data on some species and no data on other species because everybody talks about white sharks and mako sharks and blue sharks or, or white tip, but there's well over 500 species of sharks, That's I think, you know. And some of them are just known by one or two specimens, hmm. you know. So sharks in general, there's a lot to know. But is there something that you've just always wondered and you can't wait till we get the answer to about sharks? And maybe specifically in you know, that field. Yeah. It, not in that field. Yeah. It's really interesting. I just got the answer to one of my burning questions. Ooh, exclusive. Um, exclusive. <laughs> um, way back when I started here. And I, I was doing, uh, trying to validate periodicity of these band pairs using tetracycline, okay? And tetracycline, as you know, is an antibiotic. And what we do with the sharks, we inject the sharks, and it puts a permanent mark on their vertebra. Right. Okay? So if we get that shark back, and say we get that shark back 10 years later, and we count the band pairs past that mark, we know when it was tagged, we know when it was recaptured, and we can tell the age. Okay, so that's what I wanted to do. And I was able to get a bunch of chain dogfish, the little tiny baby chain dogfish, to do this study on. So I had them all live in a tank, mm -hmm. and I injected one to see if it would work. And the next day I went in and I put the little ultraviolet light because it goes into their scales first, and denticles, and all of them were glowing. And I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. I only injected one, mm -hmm. right? The thing about chain dogfish, you can tell their patterns by marks on them. So I was like, well, this is really weird. Um, maybe it leaked. I don't know. And I, ha and I was like, maybe it's because they were born in, in captivity, this kind of thing. And then I was like, well, I have a couple dead ones. I'll go do those. And I shined those. And I was like, well, they're glowing too. This makes absolutely no sense. So mm -hmm. I ended up changing species and this and that. But I was like, there's got to be a reason that these things are glowing. And, you know, I hypothesized it and this and that. And I really tried to get people excited about this project. Nothing I could ever do because it was just not my forte. Plus, right. I, I do different kind of science. Sure. Well, a couple of years ago, somebody um, found the same thing. In, totally, of course, independently. I think it was in the Pacific Coast. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, other species do that too. Well, just recently, I don't know if it's the same people or different people published on this species about that whole topic. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to find that someone actually had looked into it and found out that, um, yes, they can identify each other using um, this pattern of glowing and the pattern of different markings of each fish. Because I didn't even have to tag these fish. I could tell them apart by the way they look. Right. So it was really cool to see that that had happened. Excellent. Yeah. One thing I always like to ask people in interviews mm -hmm. is, what's the one question you, you that you wish people would ask you? It's like when you when you say, "Hey, I, I'm into shark research." What do you wish that they would ask you about? I don't tell a lot of people. That, oh, really? That I do shark research. Yeah. Interesting. So, do you, yeah. do you feel like because it's taboo, or do you feel like no? It's, yeah. I because, I, you know, I spend a lot of time doing shark research with mm -hmm. people doing shark research, and I kind of want to hear other things sometimes. <laughs> you hear too. You um, hear a lot about sharks. I hear a lot shark, about shark, sharks. Shark, 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 shark. Right. And it's like, hey, uh, how are the Red Sox? You right. know. <laughs> yeah. What I don't want to be asked about every time yep. is, um, 
like the attack thing. You know, I mean that that fascinated me when I was a kid, and honestly, that kind of got me into sharks. Right. Um. I I was a kind of a morbid little kid, but yeah, it's not all there is about sharks, and and white sharks are not the only shark out there. Right, but people focus on that because they're shark attacks, white right. sharks. But in, right. in your case, if somebody hears you're into shark research, like, oh, tell us about shark attacks. Like, well, actually, right. there's a really interesting, interesting thing with their backbone. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's like I don't work on shark attacks, and <laughs> yeah. that's great, but, you know. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving, I now know what a dead shark smells like. So that's, <laughs> that, that's great. And, uh, you know, thank you for your time, and, uh, you know, best of luck uh, with the rest of your research. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining in on another episode of Shark Tales. Make sure to subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast provider to get new episodes right when they come out.